Hello and welcome to the Otter Podcast. I'm your host, Madison Page, and today we're slipping into our PJs, fluffing all our pillows, and taking a deep dive into sleep paralysis. I hope you all brought some NyQuil because ain't nobody getting a good night's sleep after this one. Grab your sleeping bags and let's go. Welcome one and all back to my little slumber party. We are going to paint our toes and watch 13 going on 30 like it's going out of style. I want to thank everyone who tuned into our last episode about the disappearance of Michael Bryson. I apologize if that audio was kind of off. I was actually recording during a tornado, so I was really nervous. Happily, the tornado passed right over and I'm still here making podcasts for you. However, this audio may again be a tad off as I have contracted a cold. It's dark in my doorway for about a week now. I already had a deep voice, but now I'm verging on the cadence of Sam Elliott. So I apologize if I don't sound like myself. I do have a froggy teapot full of honey tea and a bag of cough drops, and I am living on Dayquil and Mucinex right now. So we'll try to get through this as best we can, but if there is an errant cough, I do apologize. Today, we slip away from the missing person's bulletin to snuggle into bed with a boogeyman haunting more than a few people's closets. Settle in, get comfy, get a blankie, and prepare yourself as we talk about sleep paralysis. I woke up to the front door opening and thought it was weird the dog didn't bark. I tried to wake my husband up but couldn't move. My eyes were open and I could see him in bed next to me, laying on his side facing away from me, but I couldn't move or speak to get his attention. I heard the rustle of blue jeans rubbing together as someone walked through the living room into the kitchen. The refrigerator door opened and I heard someone get a piece of ham out, then heard the dog eating it. I tried to scream, tried to nudge my husband, tried to move, tried everything, but I was frozen. I somehow knew then that my husband was dead. Not sure why or how, but I knew he wasn't alive. I heard the heavy footsteps of Boots coming towards the bedroom, so I closed my eyes and pretended to be asleep, all while still trying to reach out and touch my husband. I figured out it was a man. He came around the foot of the bed to my side, and even though I couldn't turn and look, I knew he was there. I kept my eyes closed and tried not to let him see the tears. Then he leaned down over me. I can still smell the alcohol in his breath as he leaned up to my ear and said, Honey, he is already gone and you're next. That terrifying story comes from Reddit and the user, you don't know me dog. (laughs) It's horrifying, right? A man breaks into this person's house, kills the husband and whispers threats into their ear. Now you might be asking, why are we hearing stories about a home invasion? And the answer is simply, we aren't. This isn't a story of an alcoholic stranger breaking in, bribing the dog, and committing a heinous crime. This is a story from an episode of Sleep Paralysis. The man with the jeans is just a hallucination, and the user is not alone in their experience of this bedwetting terror. According to WebMD, As many as 4 out of every 10 people have experienced sleep paralysis at some point in their life. This phenomenon occurs when the brain and body fall out of sync during the sleeping process. If you've never experienced it before, it can be kind of hard to imagine, but bear with me. 
Imagine yourself in bed. You're in comfy pajamas and it's late. You have to be work early in the morning, so you're being a, a responsible adult and trying to get your full eight hours, or more likely six on a good night. Suddenly you wake up, your eyes are open. You rouse slowly in your sleep drunken state and try to sit up, but you can't. You begin to become aware of the fact that you cannot move any limbs. Your body will not respond to you. You want to call out, maybe rouse a, a roommate or a significant other to help you, but you are also unable to speak. You might feel like you're choking or like something heavy is sitting on your chest. You might see figures, hear voices, or feel hands touching you all while you can neither move nor speak. Sounds terrifying, isn't it? This is one of the many ways a sleep paralysis episode might take place. Some people get these regularly and can tell when they're slipping into a state. While it is terrifying in the moment and can feel like it goes on for hours, the reality is that they usually only last a few seconds to a few minutes, and your body will eventually come out of it. So what's really happening when this is going on? Are we really seeing beyond the veil into the unknown, where terrifying shadow people wait to pop out and suck out our souls like 7-Eleven Slurpees? Not quite. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. You're in bed. You're ready to sleep. What happens next? Well, the brain is a fantastic organ. Sometimes. On a usual night, the brain will send signals to the muscles in your body via your nervous system with a alright boy, shut it down message. This locks your body into place so that you are unable to move. The reason for this is to prevent you from hurting yourself in a dream state. Normally, with the exception of chronic sleepwalkers, this process goes off without a hitch and you safely slumber under the watchful eye of your neurons. However, just like any well-oiled machine, sometimes things just don't work out like they're supposed to. During REM sleep, the deepest part of the sleep cycle, you're likely to have dreams. Now you can be a top hat wearing tap dancing frog in your dreams and as long as your brain keeps your muscles from moving, you are completely fine to rat-a-tat-tat your little slumbering heart's content. But when you suddenly regain awareness during the cycle, that's when you run into our old buddy sleep paralysis. The disruption to your regularly scheduled programming happens because the in-sync processes between the brain and the body are happening at the wrong speed. If the REM cycle ends and you begin to arouse, but your brain doesn't send out the release the muscles message in time, you will wake up while your body will continue to snooze. This uncomfortable and frankly scary realization that we cannot move or speak activates our limbic system, which is the part of our brains responsible for emotional reaction. The reaction the limbic system usually comes up with is fear and panic. This is worsened if the victim is in the middle of a nightmare, where the sense of fear was already present and may now begin playing those nightmares into your bedroom in the form of auditory or visual hallucinations. These hallucinations can be as simple as hearing a whisper, or as horrifying as seeing a seven-foot-tall spider crouching over you in bed. Eventually, the right signals get where they're supposed to and the episode ends. Now. I'm sure everyone, but the most avid of bud lovers, would not be happy to see Daddy Longlegs get up and close in the dark of your bedroom. So what causes these episodes and how can you avoid them? I've got bad news and bad news. The bad news is the cause of sleep paralysis is not really known. But people suffering from narcolepsy, people on shift work, people experience sleep deprivation due to things like stress, college, maybe a new baby and people suffering from obstructive sleep apnea are all at the highest risk. The other bad news is there is no treatment or cure. 
Although there are several tricks and tips for trying to break out of sleep paralysis scattered far and wide over the internet, I have found many recommendations from wiggling your toes, hold your breath, or focusing on relaxing each muscle group from your feet to your head. However, none of these are proven to be the secrets to sleep paralysis. Most commonly, once you are in, you're in for the ride. During sleep paralysis, the most commonly reported phenomena is visual hallucinations. Of course, in the moment, it doesn't feel like a hallucination, it just feels like someone or something is in your house. Many people describe human-like figures, also commonly called shadow people. These creatures may walk, crawl, float, or just about anything else in a person's room or house. Everyone sees different things during these episodes. However, we do have some key players. Several reports feature the same cast of characters seen by different people all over the world. While the repetition makes some people question if this is actually a parade of demons instead of the night willies, let's go through them all before you make your judgment. The first is the hag. The hag is a horrifying old woman who loves to stand over or sit on the chest of the hapless sleeper. They can do nothing but stare as she is said to cover their mouths with claw-like hands, scream in their face, and cackle menacingly. She is often reported accompanied by the feeling of the victim's chest caving in. The hag actually has some roots in folk belief of Newfoundland, South Carolina, and Georgia, where a story is told of a hag who leaves her body at night to sit on the chest of victims in a spectral form. The victims wake feeling terrified, struggling to breathe, and cannot move. This experience is typically called being hag-ridden. Being hag-ridden is also an old term for experiencing sleep paralysis even if the hag is not present. The hag was seen so commonly during these episodes and stuck to such a modus operandi that she actually spawned her own form of sleep paralysis called Old Hag Syndrome. Would you like to hear a story from someone who has Old Hag Syndrome? Of course you do. This story comes from user Fluffybird on Reddit. I have Old Hag Syndrome. In my experience, I wake up paralyzed in the dark. I sense a malevolent evil presence in the room that wants to kill me and I can see an impossibly old and terrifyingly ugly woman crouching in my closet across the bed staring at me. I desperately try to move a finger, a toe, or blink, but nothing. My body is unresponsive. The old hag then stands up and starts to walk towards the bed very slowly. The entire time I try to gain control of my body, but nothing is responding. The old woman then climbs on the bed and sits on my chest. The witch then wraps her hands around my throat and begins to strangle me. The entire time she is choking me, her face is just beyond my peripheral vision, but I instinctively know that she is beyond hideous. Sometimes I then wake up from this terrifying scenario at the brink of losing consciousness because of the strangulation, but I am still paralyzed. I am not fully awake. I still sense her evil in the room, and she is sitting on the floor beside my bed, and I can hear her breathing, smell her foul stench, and feel her stare upon my face. She then crawls back on the bed and begins choking me again. If I'm lucky, I then wake up for real. The phenomena of being scared by an old woman is not new, and it is a tool used in several pop culture movies to send viewers scuttling from a kiss from grandma. Movies that use this trope of the terrifying older woman even use the tag horror hag. 
Think of the scene in the 2019 movie It, Chapter 2, where Beverly is suddenly rushed by the specter of a naked elderly woman who transforms into Pennywise. While this horror trope is overdone and ageist, to be frank, the sight of the hag crawling onto our chest at night to slowly suffocate us to death will haunt those suffering from sleep paralysis for eons to come. If the devil's Meemaw isn't the one to pay you a nighttime visit, you might meet his kid. A shadow child's another commonly spoken about figure on the sleep paralysis scene. They are described as formless, smoky, or can be very solid with hair-raising details. Some people who see a child claim to feel no malice, just a curiosity, or a shyness. Some have claimed to hear a warbled version of a nursery rhyme. If it does approach, it may jump into the bed and tangle its fingers in the sleeper's hair gently. However, not every child you see during sleep paralysis is innocent. Take the story from RunBuns247 about a terrifying child they saw. I was spending the night at a friend's house in high school and awoke to a very pale child, very long arms and legs like three times longer than they should have been. It was in kind of a backwards crab walk position, with its chest facing the ceiling. Its head was spun around backwards facing me, and I just sat there staring at it until I was able to sit up, and then it was gone. Terrifying. The backwards joints alone would have had me in tears and ready to vomit. Again, a child is a commonly used horror theme. The Orphan, Pet Cemetery, The Omen, and a host of other horror films and books have centered their antagonist on a baby-faced baby horror. This is so scary because children are seen as inherently innocent, and so to see a child turn monster is a terrifying betrayal to human sensibility. A child cannot be greedy, or vengeful, or bigoted in a way an adult villain can be, so it makes the reveal so much more startling. Also, children can just be creepy. There are whole Reddit threads dedicated to parents reporting terrifying things their kids say to them, such as commenting on the presence of someone no one else can see, or saying terrifying things like, mommy's gonna die soon. I terrified my own mother as a child. I have chronic insomnia and I have since I was little. My mom would tell stories of waking in the dark of the night to be scared to death by a small six-year-old me just standing over her. I'm sure many parents can relate to similar stories. However, one of the most important factors of the child shadow is that it doesn't always appear as a terrifying apparition. Its dual nature of also being a comforting specter brings into play the comfort of being young and being without responsibility. The child is curious because it is still learning. It is gentle because it has no intention of causing harm. There is something in the shadow child we can all relate to. The most popular figure, sometimes spotted with the shadow child but usually by himself, is the hat man. The hat man is so pervasively reported that he has spawned blogs in his honor, whole reddit threads talking about him, and even was the inspiration for Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House. Even before the internet was a widespread thing and sleep paralysis chat rooms filled with stories about him, several different people from across the globe reported sightings of him in the midst of sleep arrest. He is described as a human form with a hat that ranges from a top hat to a Quaker hat to a wide-brimmed fedora. He is sometimes reported wearing a cloak as well. Sometimes he has a face which is menacing and terrifying with yellow snake-like eyes, but sometimes he has no face or simply that the sleeper felt they must not look at it. 
If he appears with a shadow child, he is said to not feel threatening. People report feeling safe and protected when the pair comes together. It is when the hatman comes alone that the real terror begins. He lingers in doorways or towers over the ends of bed at his reported height of six feet tall, but some even report him as being as tall as eight or ten feet. However, it is rarely if ever reported the hatman touches anyone. More often than not, he is a horrifying watcher who just stands or walks about emitting a cloud of fear that people report feeling coming off of him in waves. They feel he wants to do them harm. Sometimes the hatman comes with a horde of other shadow people. When this happens, the victims say it is very obvious he is the leader. So who is the hatman? Is he the king of the shadow people, the devil himself, or just a silhouette so common to most everyone that he is easily overlaid into the nightmare of sleep paralysis? We will likely never know, but that doesn't mean we can't enjoy stories about him. There are whole reddit threads and even a blog titled The Hatman Project dedicated to stories of encounters with him. This story comes from Tujoris Pratkav on reddit. I've had a dozen episodes of sleep paralysis throughout my life. All were accompanied by feelings of panic and dread. Naturally, my experience with Hatman happened during one such event. Afternoon naps were a normal part of my young life, and this particular nap took place about 35 years ago in a first floor bedroom. I was awakened from a deep sleep facing a window. I came to the realization that I could look out the window into the front yard, but could not move any part of my body, even to speak. Before I could gain the use of any voluntary muscles, a man wearing a fedora-style hat and a long coat slowly walked by the window from right to left. All the while, as this man walked past the window, he pivoted his head to maintain direct eye contact with me. Knowing that this person's presence was highly irregular, I was filled with a deep feeling of dread. This man wearing a hat absolutely exuded a strong essence of malevolence. After becoming fully awake and functional, the cobwebs of this encounter blew away in the late summer evening breeze. But I knew it actually happened. This was a decade before the World Wide Web brought instant information to nearly every household. About 20 years after this particular afternoon nap, I first read about the hatman on the internet. I immediately made the connection and I knew, I knew that for some reason, the hatman came to visit me. Oof, even a simple nap isn't safe. Here, Hatman didn't even have to linger to strike fear into the hearts of his victim. Timothy M. Brown Jr. started the aforementioned blog. There he has been collecting stories and is going to be releasing a book called The Hatman Revealed. Timothy has his own experience with Hatman and has been spreading the word ever since. All the stories in the blog are anonymous, but the majority of them are actually described encountering the Hatman outside of a sleep paralysis episode or encountering a regular shadow person. This makes you wonder if the Hatman is something far outside the hag or the child. Some people believe he is a demon or the devil come to torment or haunt people. The blog specifically talks about him feeding on the destruction of families. Some people feel when it is dark and they are frozen and his cold stare is fixed upon them that all they can do to save themselves is pray. Now we have our final cast. We have the hat man, the child, and the hag all lined up and ready for their roles. However, we have two other leads who are so dressed down for their appearance, they are practically invisible.
Now, seeing a hag on your chest, a top hat wearing demon in the corner, and a child with its fingers in your hair might all be terrifying, but there is something even scarier. Seeing nothing. Specifically, seeing nothing, but feeling something. Tactile hallucinations are when you physically feel something that isn't real. Let's be clear, you are not being touched, but your brain thinks you are. If you've ever had a nightmare where you were burned, scratched, bitten, and felt like you could really feel it happening, then you know what that is like. Personally, I remember a nightmare from years ago where I crashed my car into a fence, and to this day, I can remember the burning feeling of the bar while I was scratching over my arm. Of course, this was just a dream and it didn't actually hurt me, but imagine being in sleep paralysis. You can't move, you can't speak, but you can feel hands running over your body or pulling you off the bed. You can't see anybody, but it feels like someone is sitting on your stomach or your chest. You can't scream for help, but you are being held down. Some people have even reported feeling a fallen sensation, or like they are freezing. This is a terrifying experience. A boogeyman is one thing, a threat you can't see is another. Reddit user Meat Salad reported experiencing a tactile hallucination that is skin crawling. I woke up because I felt weight on the bed between my feet, almost like my cat had jumped up onto my bed. Then I felt the sensation of something crawling up my body that was much heavier than a cat. It stopped once it got to my head, where I felt it weighing down my mattress, and then it got so close to the side of my head that I could hear and feel its breath on my neck. It sniffed my hair really loudly and blew air into my ear, then leaped off the side of my bed and I could move again. As someone who has cats who do this to me, as well as an SO in the bed, I have the comfort of knowing if something breathes in my ear, there's likely no threat, but the slithering up the body makes me feel like I'm going to faint just reading the story. I hope you appreciate just how horrifying a tactile hallucination can be. I also appreciate this username, Meat Salad is a chef's kiss of a moniker. The last actor in a terrifying cast, or at least the one I think is the scariest, is auditory hallucinations. The cat demon on the body is so scary, but imagine just hearing speaking in the room with you. These sounds can range from routines such as footsteps, knocking, or whispers, to the bizarre like radio static, carnival music, or growling. These noises may not be accompanied by anything visual or tactile, or they may be accompanied by both. They can be voices wishing good wishes or singing sweetly to harsh threats or screaming. A user on Reddit whose account has been deleted posted a great story about an auditory hallucination and I really wanted to share it. The first time I experienced sleep paralysis, it was an extremely vivid auditory hallucination. I couldn't even open my eyes. It was winter and I slept with my windows open and I heard people running through the snow, like that crunching sound. Then they started screaming, followed by gunshots. I thought I was paralyzed with fear. When I was finally able to move, I was too scared to look out my window because I thought someone just got shot outside. So I jumped out of bed and ran into the living room where my mom was watching TV. I asked if she heard the gunshot. She looked at me like I was crazy. She helped me investigate, but there was nothing. And that's when and how I found out about sleep paralysis. So we've covered visual, auditory, and tactile hallucinations. Olfactory hallucinations where you smell smells that aren't there also happen, but they are very rare and I couldn't find much info on them. 
If you are super curious about sleep paralysis and want to learn even more, there is a great documentary titled The Nightmare. It is terrifying, and I actually had to stop in the middle and come back later because it frightened me so badly. Also be warned that sleep paralysis is one of those things you can cause by dwelling on it, so don't go digging too deeply in the rabbit hole if you aren't prepared to face the rabbit. I feel like a good way to end this, and just a fair way because I took so many stories from Reddit, is to tell you my own experience with sleep paralysis. As I've said before, I always had sleep issues, and though I've experienced sleep paralysis a couple of times, this incident really stuck with me. I was in college. I lived in the attic of the haunted dorm on campus. It was finals, and I was stressed out of my mind. One night, I awoke to darkness, and I slowly realized I couldn't move. My bed was in a small enclosed area under a window. I was staring directly at the ceiling, where a thick black cloud began to form. It swirled around and blocked out all the light from the window. Suddenly, I felt hands all over my body, holding me down, covering my nose and mouth, and I felt like I was slowly starting to suffocate. I wanted to look down to see them or push them off me, but they were everywhere and I couldn't move. From in the cloud, I hear a deep voice I can only describe as demonic say, We can kill you. We will kill you. Nobody can save you in time. Then it started to laugh. It sounded like dozens of different voices were laughing in the cloud. I felt like I was going to be smothered to death, and I was desperately trying to scream to wake my roommate to make her help me. I don't know how long it lasted, but suddenly it was over, and I could sit up. My roommate later told me that she hadn't heard anything that night. Well, that's all for this episode. Did you like my experience? I would love, love, love to hear yours. Please email any experience with sleep paralysis you've had to theotterpod at gmail.com. I'd like to do a follow-up episode with your stories. I lost a lot of good sleep making this episode, so I hope you were spooked, startled, and entertained. Let us know what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and leave a review. Please, please, please leave a review, especially for listening on Spotify or Apple. Spotify won't show me until it thinks I've had enough. On a side note, I'm going on vacation to San Francisco in a couple weeks, and I'd really like some recommendations on what to do while I'm there. Particularly any spooky or true crime thing. I already have tickets to Alcatraz and the Winchester Mystery House, but is there a ghost tour you thought was particularly spine-chilling? Maybe a bar you visited with a murderous history? Or just a bar with a great cocktail? Send me recommendations on Instagram or Facebook. The Otter Pod is now on TikTok. Come follow us there and see my face if you're curious. The Otter Podcast posts every other Thursday. If you have a suggestion for a subject on the podcast, you can email us at theotterpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on The Otter Side.